give to the end of ourselves, but also maintain our own walks with God. When we take off that cape, who are we? When we are not standing up in front of here, who are we? And so we have Miss Celeste Keckley here. Yes. for us. And um, Celeste is amazing. She's someone that I look up to for many, many reasons, but just to tell you a little bit about her, she was born and raised in Maryland, just outside of D.C., um, and she just celebrated 30 years in, in the faith this past March. She was a disciple for 30 years, so lots of experience, lots of wisdom to share with us. Um, she also was in the ministry in the 90s for a point in time, for about a year and a half with her husband, and they, they've been married for 28 years. They now are shepherds of the campus ministry here. And when I tell you that they do, I mean, a textbook job <laughs> of being shepherds, they, they pray for our ministry regularly. Like, they're always asking for a list of the ministry so they can specifically pray. They follow up with things. They ask advice. They, I mean, I remember doing a lesson one time, and Celeste happened to be there. And she came back, and I mentioned modesty. And the next time me and Jordan got time with her and her husband, she was like, what do you think about these pants? I'm like, Celeste, you're great. Like, what do you think? <laughs> so super humble, super wise. We, you know, her and her husband have gotten with Jordan and I for our marriage and our parenting for a little bit. So I'm just grateful that you're willing to come and speak with us and share with us. So I'll say a prayer, and then Celeste is going to come and speak. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for this chance to learn from the scriptures, to learn from women older and wiser than us. Father God, I pray that we can have listening hearts. I know that we just had lunch, but I pray that we can be engaged and energetic and mm -hmm. giving to Miss Celeste, Father God. And I just know and I'm really grateful to serve a God that doesn't just want us to be heroes, but you want to take care of us as people as well, God. That you want us to be healthy in our walks with you. Help us to balance that and to do that well in the way that Jesus did. We love you. Pray this in your son's name. Amen. 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 Celeste. All right. Well, my husband has told me stories about what happens after lunch. Because <laughs> he was here yesterday, and he said, I mean, some people look like zombies after lunch. I said, I can understand that. So I have a solution to that problem. All right, We're going to be interactive in this, in this class. All right. Okay. All right. So the, the title of the class is Hanging Up the Cape. I have chopped mm. this title up so many different ways. I've called it all kinds of things, but that's actually what it is. <laughs> Hanging Up the Cape. Mm. Okay. Um, and the theme of the whole thing um, here at the, um, the campus retreat is superheroes, right? That's what we've mm -hmm. been focusing on. So I brought along with me my favorite yes. <laughs> <laughs> superhero. Yes. And if you notice, she's from the 70s. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because I used to sit as a girl and watch her and just thought she was the most awesome person in the world. <laughs> so what we're going to do with this interactive is we're going to close our eyes. I'm going to tell you what we're going to do first. And then I want you to close your eyes and I'm going to give this picture of my favorite superhero to one of you. Okay. And I want you to open your eyes. The rest of us will have our eyes closed. I want you to open your eyes, and I want you to describe something, okay? I want you to picture yourself in your ministry as the women's ministry leader. You're excited. Things are going great in your ministry and in your relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And I want you to just give us a few descriptive words that describe why you feel that way like what's going on in your ministry then i want you to take it and pass it to the next person 
and then they open their eyes, they look at it, they close their eyes, and they just start talking. Mm. I'm going to write down just some key things that you're saying as okay. we go along. And then we're going to talk about these things as I do the lesson. Mm. Okay? I need a pen, though. Anybody just have one that's yeah. easy to get to? Okay. Is this like a dream or like a kind of what we want our ministry to be like, or is this like real life? What's happening? Right this now? is real life. Like when your ministry is good and your relationship with God is good, mm -hmm. what do you feel and why do you feel that way? Mm -hmm. And just be really brief, okay? Because we got a lot of people mm -hmm. to go through, okay? So we'll start here, um, and I'll just be jotting down some things. So does everyone need to close their eyes? Right yes, now? everybody, right. close your eyes. Close your eyes. And mm, when I'm thriving, I feel like a tree planted by the stream. I'm getting the nutrients I need from God every day. I feel like my faith, that he's with me, you know, that he loves me, that I'm enough. No matter what I do, that's happening every day. I feel really strong in the grace. And uh, I feel like what I do in the ministry is um, out of love like I, I'm not feeling that funky performance feeling mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm feeling the um, wow I just really love this I'm passionate about this excited to be a part of everything really full of joy and gratitude that's that's my wonder woman okay okay so let's do bullet points because we got okay. but you're feel, awesome thank you <laughs> I feel joyful and excited because me and God can do anything together and my girls can do the same mm -hmm. I think I feel free. Like, I just feel like I don't feel, like, trapped by my to-do list or my schedule. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm being led by the spirit and not by, like, my emotions or my thoughts. I think I also just feel like um, like, at, like at rest, like my soul is at rest kind of thing. Um, I feel peaceful and confident in God's, that, in God's power that he can work through me and work through the women around me. Um, and faithful that he's going to do immeasurably more than I can ask or imagine. Um, yeah, I think peace is the central feeling. Um, when I'm good with God, I just feel so out of myself. Like, I feel like it's really not me um, working and, and reaching out to people, but it's God. It's the spirit that's working within me. Mm -hmm. <coughs> um, wow, I feel really inspired and motivated to really get myself out of the way and allow God to work through me um, and just overflowing with security in God and not in people. Um, I feel confident, feel strong, I feel like I can do anything that God asks of me because I have the Holy Spirit and that it will carry me on to, to just do what he wants me to do in this world. I feel rooted. Uh, I feel like God can do anything. Um, I can use me for anything. And that, uh, like, when anything comes, I'll, I'll just be okay. Um, and that God really does just have a lot. Um, I feel at peace. I feel confident, secure, and not guilty. Um, but just really spirit like um, I think on campus, especially, I feel invincible just because my confidence is coming from God and not how others perceive me. Um, and I also am very grateful for everything that I have. Um, I think I feel just super impactful. Like, nothing can stop me because I'm being led by the Spirit and because I'm, like, on a high with God. Like, there is just nothing that can defeat me, but I can be really impactful. I'm just able to freely deny myself and give 
grateful um, to be chosen, um, honored to serve, and humble. Um, uh, yeah, I feel confident and secure, super grateful, uninhibited and unlimited. Um, yeah. I feel excited, I don't feel burdened, um, and I feel connected with God because I really feel like I'm walking with God in it and I feel expected and hopeful and connected to his promises and that I can actually see it before me. I feel at peace. Um, I just feel really used by God. Um, that it's his power and not my own. Um, yeah, I just feel believed in, uh, strengthened and encouraged and just, yeah, a peace that just surpasses understanding. I feel like I'm looking through God's eyes. I feel very faithful, and I feel like I can see like faithful moments in the girls' lives and in my own life. <coughs> I feel um, powerful, and I feel humble that I'm a part of God's dream, and that He entrusts so much to me. Um, I think I feel much, much less anxious, <laughs> probably the, the moment in my life where I have no anxiety, really, because mm -hmm. I'm completely dependent on God, I feel capable, um, yeah, and I feel like I can be dependent on God, <laughs> even while I depend on God. So. I feel refreshed and confident, secure, and joyful, and the things that I do aren't just part of my like to-do list or checklist, but... I understand fully that there are things that are making an everlasting impact on campus. Mm. I feel overwhelmed with gratitude and like I can see God moving in more ways than I could before. And like everything becomes like an answered prayer. Mm -hmm. I feel humbled, um, but also really strong and bold and um, brave. Um, I think just because I recognize who I am before God and, and people at the same time. Um, I feel like I'm praying a lot about the good things and the hard things, and um, it's just a continual talk with God that He's included. Um, I get strength coming from Him, and that I can love beyond what I'm usually capable of loving. Mm -hmm. Amen. Thank you. So my next question is, when you don't feel that your ministry is doing well, just raise your hand or just speak out. What are some emotions or things that you feel? Yeah, I could just feel it, it becomes more about me and what I'm not doing. Like, I feel like it was all on me. Like, I, I didn't do what I needed to do to make it happen. So it becomes more dependent on myself. Okay. I think the specific, I heard like a word guilty. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. Maybe a couple more. Like I have something to prove. Mm -hmm. Very aware of what people think. I think I feel like I want to control things mm -hmm. and then I get really frustrated because nothing's in my control. <laughs> mm -hmm. I feel disappointing. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then lastly, and then I will start to talk. <laughs> um, 
what ca- what are some things that cause you to feel like your ministry isn't doing well? Mm-hmm. New visitors. You said no visitors? Okay. And you know, like some of your women are struggling or stumbling. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Great. And a chronic sin, just unrepentant mm-hmm. sin. There's a critical spirit. There's a lot of criticism about it. Okay. A couple more? Yeah, either myself personally or me just being stuck. Like it's mm-hmm. been years or months of just the same. Okay. Um, more people walking away than coming back to us. take a look at all this today and we're gonna figure out what it really means to have a spiritual thriving relationship with God and a spiritual thriving ministry that's what we're gonna look at Um, you know when I talk about superheroes or when we think about superheroes um, there's some things that really do stand out about superheroes and I want to get to my notes on this. Superheroes usually embody a character that has a love for the innocent, a zeal for justice, and a hatred for evil. And a lot of times when we watch them, you know, when we see them, it's the physical powers that they've been given for the movie or whatever that makes them that that superhero. But really, when you think about it, the thing that we really fall in love with is the person behind the cape. That's who we fall in love with when we're watching a movie. Um, You know, those people, they experience pain and suffering Mm -hmm. during the movie. They encounter challenges that make them have to decide what they really believe in. Like, all these movies kind of have that point, you know, in them. And they're forced to choose between their emotions and what's best for the greater good. That's usually the theme. Mm. And it's funny how the world even knows that. (laughs) You know, because all these movies have the same reoccurring thing that goes through. But that's the thing that makes the human heart love superheroes. Because they fight through and they make those choices and they make those decisions. Mm. And in the end, they're very victorious. Mm. And we love that. We Mm. love seeing that. Um, You know, when I think about superheroes, Jesus is the ultimate superhero. I mean, he's a defender and protector of the innocent and the weak. He has a zeal for justice, and he has a hatred for all that is evil. I mean, you know, you think about it, he, when he went to the cross, Mm -hmm. he suffered pain. Mm -hmm. He encountered challenges that would test his very commitment to what he believed in, right? And he was forced to choose between his emotions, Mm -hmm. what they were telling him to do, and the greater good of all of us. Mm -hmm. I mean, he really is that superhero. Um, We can see, you know, as as we think about this, when we're on campus, in a sense, we are superheroes. I mean, we have the Holy Spirit, And man, if we could really understand the Holy Spirit, we would be beyond 
any superhero. Yeah. It's like we have this thing inside of us that raised Jesus from the dead. Mm -hmm. And we don't even know what to do with it. Right. Right. It's just in there. You know, I'm not even sure we really believe we have that. Mm -hmm. But we have that. You know, we are powerhouses. And we have no idea, you know, what's inside of us. We have a little glimpse, but we really, really don't know. And the exciting thing is we get to spend all of our relationship with God here on earth discovering that. Mm -hmm. Figuring that out. Um, we, I don't know about you, but I personally walk around not feeling like a superhero a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. You know, I really don't feel like that a lot of the time. Uh, people can be intimidating to me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, situations can be overwhelming for me. Mm -hmm. I can feel really, really challenged. You know, not like a person that walks around with almost like a nuclear weapon inside of her body. I mean, mm -hmm. I just don't walk around feeling that way. But that's really who we are. We're powerful in that way. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, I want to start off a little bit by sharing with you a little bit of my experience in the ministry. Um, I wasn't in the ministry very long. We were in the ministry for about a year and a half. Um, it's funny because when they asked me to do this class, I thought, oh my gosh, I don't know what to say about that. And so then I started praying and praying about it, and, and I thought, I do know what to say about that. I, I have Come some on. things that I can really share, you know, from my life that, you know, are appropriate for this. Um, so when we um, went into the ministry, um, my husband had a great love and a great desire to be in the ministry. He really, truly wanted to be in the ministry. Me, on the other hand, I was very performance-oriented. I just wanted to be successful at whatever I did. If it was going to be the ministry, then okay, the ministry. Whatever it was going to be, I wanted to excel at it. Um, I was that way in school. I was that way in everything that I tried to do. So the ministry for me was a new challenge. It was just a new challenge. Um, one of the things, though, that I loved as I became a Christian was I loved studying the Bible with people. I mean, every time I had the opportunity to study the Bible with someone, I mean, I just feel like God has just poured down blessings. Like, I get to be a part of this. I can't yeah. believe that I get to be a part of watching somebody's life change. Yeah. I mean, it is such an honor right. to be able to do that. And that was one of the things that I really always loved. I loved studying the Bible with people. So I got to do it full-time in the ministry, which I thought, okay, that's good. Um, another thing is I just love digging into the scriptures. I mean, you can look at the same passage over and over and over again for the rest of your life, and you will always get something new for yeah, it from yeah, it if yeah. you look closely enough. Yeah. And to me, that's exciting. It just yeah. means that the Bible yeah. will never run out of things to say. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'll never get bored because there's always something to discover. Mm -hmm. um, I would think about times, and even now sometimes it's like, you know, I could be tired at night, and I'm like, okay, you know, I didn't get to spend time with God earlier, but I'm going to do it now. But I'm just going to read a little bit. And I would be on my floor on the side of my bed. And then I would see something and I'd think, well, what does that mean? Like, for instance, mm -hmm. you know, we talk about Sarah, um, Abraham's wife, because I was kind of there. And I was looking at that. And I said, well, okay, so she was in her 90s and she had a baby. Why did I have to ask this question at like 12 o'clock at night? Okay. <laughs> she had a baby and then... I go on and go on, and I see, okay, and then this guy wants to take her as his wife. 
how did she look at 90? I mean, I, mean, I, I started asking questions like, I mean, was she that young and beautiful looking at 90? Right. And so I started like looking up scriptures and just trying to figure out like who was this woman? How did God work all of that out? But sometimes, you know, I'll just read a passage and it'll just prompt me to start thinking other things. And before I know it, yeah. it's two or three o'clock in the morning, and my husband's like, "You're not asleep yet?" And I'm like, "No, I just I can't put this down." So you know, that was one of my saving graces is I love the scriptures. I really struggle a lot though with prayer. You know, anything that was asking me to be vulnerable and emotional was not my strong suit. So prayer did not come as easily for me. So as we were in the ministry, um, we had a great time in the ministry. We felt like it was an honor to be there. Um, But eventually, we were asked to leave the ministry. And when we were, you know, I remember um, the conversation we had with a couple. We were actually over here in Marietta when we were asked to leave the ministry. And I remember walking out of that conversation. My husband was heartbroken. I mean, he was really heartbroken. His dream was not going to be anymore in the way that he had imagined it. I, on the other hand, was really angry. I was angry that I had failed at something. That's what it came down to for me. It's like, I didn't excel at this. And this makes me really, really angry. And I remember telling him like he had tears in his eyes I had tears in my eyes but it was for a different reason (laughs) it was because I hadn't performed the way I wanted to I remember too when I was in the ministry I would always compare what I was doing with what other people in the ministry were doing it was private it was quiet and it was in my heart but I would always be watching, always be looking, always be trying to see if I was measuring up to what was expected of me and what other people were doing. And because of that, I didn't really enjoy the ministry the way I could have, you know? So when we were asked to leave the ministry, um, I remember looking at my husband and I said to him, I need to go spend some time with God. I just, I need to do this. And he said, okay, sure. And so I, dropped him off. I think we had one car at that point. And I went to an empty office park and I sat in my car and I screamed and hollered at the top of my lungs to God at how angry I was, how disappointed I was. And I remember thinking that if I don't go spend time with God right now, this makes me angry enough to eventually I will walk away. I mean, I could see that, you know, that where my heart was, I was just, I would eventually, it might not be soon, but this was something that I really had to resolve with God. So I, I spent that time and we, I don't know how long I was there, but you know, I was a superhero and now I didn't have the cape anymore. I had to hang up the cape And then I had to figure out and decide who I was going to be, you know, at this point in my life. Mm. And so I sat there, and I had a temper tantrum, and I cried, and I yelled, and I I remember I yelled, and I screamed, and I just told God everything I thought about it. And then after a period of time, I just felt very much at peace. It was like I had to get all of that out, and and God, um, I don't know what he did, but he just worked in my heart Mm. in such a way that I felt like, okay, I can go on now. Mm-hmm. I can move on. And so I went home, and um, and I felt that God was 
going to be with me. I didn't know what the future was going to hold. I didn't know how I was going to be in that future, but I did know that God was going to be with me at whatever was going to happen next. And so my thoughts kind of went to, okay, now I need to get a job because we got to replace this ministry income with something. We don't have jobs, you know? So I started thinking about going back to my old company. I was ready to interview, you know, all of that, and starting to get a little excited about that. That ambitious part of me started kind of coming back to the surface. Um, but I did mention to you guys that I was actually five months pregnant. And I had an appointment with my OBGYN the the very next day after all of this happened. And she said to me, um, I have some concerns about these contractions that I'm picking up on this monitor. Well, I had never had a baby. I didn't know what a contraction was. All I knew is my stomach was hugging me really tight, and then it was letting me go. I didn't know what all of that was, and I really wasn't paying attention to it, you know, very much. Um, But she said, no, I'm really concerned about this. Um, They're coming pretty consistently. Um, How long have you been feeling this way? I I was like, I don't know when this started, you know, because you're busy. You're doing what you do. I I just didn't know. She said, well, I'm going to put you in bed rest. It's like bed rest. Yeah, I'm gonna put you in bed rest. You're gonna be on bed rest for the rest of your pregnancy. And that was the equivalent of 84 days that I had left. And she said, you're gonna lay on your side, and I mean all the time. You're gonna lay on your left side. You're gonna get up only to use the bathroom, and you're gonna take a shower maybe twice a week. And she knew me. She knew me, and she looked at me, and she said, I'm just gonna tell you right now, if you don't do what I'm telling you to do, you'll probably use the, lose this baby. Mm. And I was like, she knew exactly what to say to me because I was going to cut corners. I was going to do stuff. Mm. And I just looked at her like, are you serious? And she says, no, I'm very serious. Mm-hmm. So for the rest of the wow. day, from that point on, I was tucked away in a bed and I was laying on my side. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, after about a couple of days of watching TV, I was ready to pull my hair out. I was like, I cannot do this. I mean, I'm a very active person, you know, always doing, always doing, always doing. And now I was on my side constantly, you know, and I was hooked up to monitors. And if anything went weird, they called me, what's going on? You know, if they saw stuff they didn't like, and it was just like, oh my gosh. Now, this was to date it. Uh, It was during the time of O.J. Simpson. So I kind of watched him driving down the street and the police behind them laying on my side. (laughs) I was watching all of that. That was probably the most exciting thing that happened initially. But, you know, after a couple of days, I just thought, I can't live like this for 84 days. I mean, there's just no way I I can do this. I've got to come up with a plan. I've got to come up with a plan for my life right now. I don't have much to work with, but I got to be, I got to figure this thing out. So what I did was I came up with a schedule for my life. And I said, okay, in the morning is my time with God. There was nothing to interrupt my time with God. I could read my Bible for as many hours as I wanted to because there was nothing to stop it, right? So in the morning, I would spend time with God, and I truly loved the Bible study part, the prayer button. That was kind of faster than the rest, but, you know, I really enjoyed that. And then I had a time where I just called people and I encouraged them. I had a list of people that were in our ministry. I could take one a day and I could just talk to them. And it was so fulfilling to feel like I was giving to somebody when I really couldn't give. Because keep in mind, 
everybody had to do everything for me. They had to cook mm, my food. They had, wow. you know, my husband was basically doing everything. Wow. And then when he went to work and got a job, the sisters from the church came over wow. for 84 days. Wow. And they brought me food. So I had a visitation time every day because somebody was bringing me lunch wow. or somebody was bringing me dinner. And then I got to reach out to somebody and encourage them and love upon them when I was on the phone. Wow. Um, I remember being so desperate sometimes to share my faith. My husband reminded me of this recently. He was like, you know, like when people would call with the wrong number, you would invite them to church. <laughs> I got that. I was like, I love doing that. And then reaching out to the staff that was working with me. But, you know, the thing about it was, I felt really fulfilled. Mm. I felt really fulfilled dur during that time. I felt, I didn't feel like a person who was laying in the bed for 84 days. I felt like a disciple mm. that had a purpose and had a mission despite wow. my current yeah. situation. Mm. Awesome. You know? Mm. Um, so at the end of that time, um, I got up from the bed. I went and got my hair done. I was so <laughs> excited. <laughs> and. I was able to walk around for an additional week, and my daughter didn't come for another week, and, and she was born healthy, and everything was so perfect. But I would look back at that time, and everything that happened in that time, and I would never change any of it. I mean, I could have never grown in so many ways if that hadn't happened, you know? And what that really did for me is it confirmed who I was without the cape. You know, because when I had the cape, I really wasn't sure who I was. It was, I was trying to be somebody, you know, and I was trying to be what people wanted me to be. But really, when the cape came off, God showed me who I could be yeah. through him. Wow. And so that was wonderful. It was very powerful oh, in my life. Um, let me see here. I've gotten off. Good stuff, Celeste. notes here. Um, so one of the things I did mention that I'm noticing is um, I did have a period of time when I was writing letters to my children. and I, Well, to my daughter, because I only had Amaris at that point. And I wrote these letters to her, and I sealed them up, and I was going to give them to her when she turned 18. Um, when she turned 18, I looked everywhere for those letters. <laughs> I couldn't find them. No. I did find letters that I wrote for Amaris and Alex and Stephen, but I didn't give them theirs because I don't have hers yet. So pray for me that I find those letters because I really want to know what was going through my mind and heart, you know, during that time. They're somewhere in the attic, I think, but I just, you know, that was one of the things I did. I just took a moment in the day just to write her a letter about what was going on with me and just where I was spiritually, not knowing that she would be a disciple and be able to appreciate wow. them, you know, at that point. Um, so let's see here. Um, some of the things I learned that I put here are having a thriving relationship with God can be experienced at times in our life when people from the outside look at our situation and may describe it as the worst of times, you know? No matter what our circumstance, Jesus' desire to seek and save the lost and to love those around him, which he has sown in each one of us, can and will burst forth in any and every situation. Mm -hmm. You just don't know. As you go through life, you will be surprised at when you're in really tough circumstances, how Jesus still comes out of you mm -hmm. in so many ways because it's sown in us in ways that we don't even 
understand mm -hmm. until we have challenges, you know? Um, you know, if we were to look at Jesus' ministry and just take a snapshot of what that looked like, um, I would say some things like this. Jesus began his ministry, we know, at the age of 30, right? Mm -hmm. He was down here in his ministry in the flesh for about three years, right? Um, he ministered to thousands of people, right? Mm -hmm. um, he ministered in many different ways. He loved them by feeding them. He loved them by serving them. Mm -hmm. He loved them by teaching them the good news. And he loved them just by being with them, mm -hmm. you know? In Matthew chapter 14, uh, Jesus fed the 5,000. We know that story. In Matthew chapter 15, he fed the 4,000. There are tons of scriptures that show us what Jesus did in his ministry. But let's look at what his ministry looked at, what his ministry looked like at the end. Okay? Most had turned away from him. I want to look at um, John chapter 6. Really quick. In verses 25 through 70, and I'm not going to go through all of this. But I am going to focus on verses um, 60 through 70. This is when Jesus talked about um, that he was the bread of life. And people really had an issue with what he was sharing with them. Kind of like sometimes when you go on campus and you share your faith and you're studying the Bible with people and you're saying some things that are outside the box for them. Mm -hmm. That's what happened here. It was yeah. way outside the box <laughs> yeah. for them, you know. And they didn't like it, and they didn't respond well. So if we start right. in verse 60, it says, On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit, and they are life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. Hmm. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus was having what we would consider a tough day in his ministry. <laughs> yeah. You know? People were leaving. Mm -hmm. People were angry. People were confused. People were frustrated. You know? And he knew that some amongst him that were closest were not even really committed to being close to him and being his friend. They were deceitful. Mm -hmm. They were going to betray him. Mm -hmm. This is not what we would describe as a good day in our ministry, mm -hmm. you know? But this was part of what Jesus' ministry was like. Um, if I were to go on, we see here that people turned away. Eleven of his friends and followers were still faithful. But even they doubted. Yeah. 
they spent so much time with him and they still were unsure. That would have totally been me. <laughs> totally. Um, a few women, including his mom, were still faithful. One of the closest in his inner circle denied him. Think about your best friend. Mm -hmm. The girl you go hang out with, you go lay on her bed, you go, you know, you talk to all the time. Something happens, you guys get um, persecuted. I mean, like, it's intense. Mm -hmm. And that person is like, wait a minute, I don't know her. I wasn't a part of that. <laughs> Just how would you feel? Yeah. And he was murdered on a cross. That was his ministry. But the question we need to answer was did Jesus have a thriving ministry? It didn't look a lot like the things we talked about. <laughs> Ours were full of ice cream, unicorns, and rainbows, right? That was our thriving ministry, right? The answer is a profound yes. Jesus had a thriving ministry. It didn't look the way we think it should look, but it was so powerful that it still speaks 2,000 years later. Yeah. Yeah. It's still converting. It's still doing all kinds of amazing things, yeah. you know? And so I want to encourage you to think about what you really think a thriving ministry is mm -hmm. because it may not always look the way you think it should look, mm -hmm. you know? Um, Jesus was close to God and he had an amazing relationship with God, an amazing ministry for many reasons, but I just want to go over maybe a few that we can focus on. Jesus made his time with God a priority. Mm. And we'll look at Mark chapter 135. This is a scripture that you have seen dozens of times, but I'm just going to read it really, really quickly here. Very early in the morning, while it was very was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place, and prayed. We know that scripture. We've seen that scripture over and over and over again. That scripture convicts us. I didn't get up for my quiet time. I didn't. Jesus did. I didn't. You know, we've looked at that scripture all kinds of different ways, okay? But have you ever asked yourself the question, why was spending time with God a priority for Jesus. Mm. We knew that he did it, but why right. did he do it? Mm -hmm. And I think one of the answers to that question is in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 7 through 10. And I'm going to read that to you. Okay. In verse 7, it says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was the son, he learned obedience from what he suffered, and once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obeyed him, and was designated by God to be the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. This is one of my favorite scriptures. And to me, it answers one of the questions about why was spending time with God a priority? Mm -hmm. It was a priority because Jesus understood that he needed it. Mm -hmm. 
He needed it. I always thought of Jesus as somebody who just was perfect. I mean, he was the creator of the universe. I mean, right. everything that we see, including ourselves, he created. Mm -hmm. So in my mind, you know, he's already perfect. But then when I saw the scripture, it was like, no, it was like he was starting over from scratch. Mm -hmm. When he came down here as a baby, he was starting over from scratch. He was going to experience everything that we mm -hmm. experience. He was going to become perfect. Mm -hmm. And how was he going to do that? He was going to do that through his time with God. Mm -hmm. So his time with God helped him to become perfect. Mm -hmm. But it also, Jesus also understood that I can't make it through this life down here yeah. without my time with God. He understood that way more than we do. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I bounce around like, I've got this. Right. <laughs> you know? And it's like, I don't mean to be that way. Right. But arrogance is all over the place mm -hmm. you know in, yeah. in, in my spirit without me even trying to be that way right. but jesus knew the first place i gotta head to if i'm gonna get through this is i gotta go spend time with god yeah. and how did he do it he did it with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him you know the thing about it was jesus ministry and his relationship with god were amazing because he understood that yeah. he understood that he couldn't take a step without the Father guiding him and showing him exactly what needed to be done next. Yeah. You know, I take many steps without a thought of that mm. in a day, you know? Um, another reason that Jesus' ministry was amazing no. was that he had genuine compassion right. for the people that he was ministering to. And some of you, as we talked, you did share that. You shared that, you know, when you feel like things are good, you. What you do is from your heart and not out of just having to do it. You right. didn't use those words, but, you know, you your response accompanied that thought, you know. And Jesus was that way. Um, in John chapter 8, you know, how he handled in verses 1 through 11, the um, woman caught in adultery. Yeah. Yeah. He had compassion. Yeah. Um, but then one of my favorites is Mark chapter 5, and I want to look at this one. The woman with the issue of blood. Mark yeah. chapter 5, verses 25 mm -hmm. through 34. Um, and I'll read this. Okay, so here it says, um, A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Mm -hmm. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowds and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding around you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembled with fear. Um, and trembling with fear, I'm sorry, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Mm -hmm. I love this because Jesus cared enough to look back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He cared enough to look intently to find who it was who had touched him. 
you know, when life is pressing up against you on every side, yeah. and somebody's pulling gently at your clothes, mm -hmm. do you care enough to look back wow. to find out exactly who it is? Oh you know? And these are the things that, you know, there's just a few of the things that made Jesus' ministry powerful. And the last thing I want to talk about with that is that Jesus didn't rely on the praise or approval of men mm -hmm. to determine his spiritual condition. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but when I was in the ministry, that was a big deal for me. It was bigger than caring about what God thought about me mm -hmm. and what I was doing. So our last scripture we're going to look at is in John chapter 2. And it's, um, let's see here, John chapter 2, verses 23 through 25. Now, while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many people saw the miraculous signs he was doing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all men. He did not need man's testimony about man, for he knew what was in a man. You know? And Jesus um, was very clear on who he needed to please yeah. and yeah. why he did the things that he did. Yeah. And I think that when you're in the ministry, that has to be clear. Yeah. Yeah. You know, everything that you do has to be motivated because of yeah. your love for God and your love for people. Right. Yeah. You know, Jesus replenished himself at the well of God during his time with God. As a person in the ministry, the ministry will drain you. Mm -hmm. It will suck everything you have. But if you stay close to God and you enjoy your time with God and it's important to you, you will be refreshed again yeah. and again and again. Yeah. You know? So in closing, I just want to stress that a thriving ministry is a ministry where God is the center. Mm -hmm. And in your ministry, it's going to look a lot of different ways at a lot of different times. And you can't always judge what's happening on, a, on the outside to determine whether or not your ministry is going well. Because seeds are being planted. Mm -hmm. What determines whether your ministry is thriving is what's going on in you. Right. Mm -hmm. What's happening in, with you and in your relationship with God. And time and time again, as I've um, been a disciple, there have been challenging situations that have happened in my life. I just shared with you one of them. But mm -hmm. I can say to each of them that I would have never changed any of them mm -hmm. because they were times where God was not only planting seeds in me, but he was planting seeds in other people. Mm -hmm. And that's what you have to always remember no matter what your ministry looks at, looks mm -hmm. like from the outside. So I hope this was helpful. Yes. Wow. Um wow. Yeah. I'm like, how do I how do I close this? Because I feel like I want to go back and this is gonna be a good few quiet times right yeah. here. So a lot to read back on. But thank you so much. And if we could just give another round of applause for this. Um, if you didn't know this, Celeste is 